0: Lodibar, Lodibar, I love saying that word. And I know right now you don't know what that means unless you're an amazing Bible scholar. Not many of you, or you cheated and heard it in the first service or something. Don't know what Lodibar means, but we'll break it down here in just a little bit. But Let me just say this first of all, and that is we've been in Lodibar for about a year now we've been in a place called Lodabar, and and we've talked about it so many times i don't know that i need to talk about it anymore but it seems like we're we're in a turning point and god's about god's about to really do something powerful at the same time the uh the the barna you ever heard of barna they do the surveys they survey church people by age group. And uh, I forget the exact numbers, but th- those, those in the boomer generation, how many boomers do we have? Yeah, we remember World War II. We're just <laughs> um, not quite that old. But the boomer generation, they said about 15% of them are never coming back to church. Then the Generation X, that forgotten middle child generation. (laughs) I always think generation. Nobody ever talks about Generation X. You poor people in your forties and fifties. Nobody talks about you. You don't have an identity. You're just X. (laughs) Like you don't know how to write, so it's just X. (laughs) A smiley face. They said that about 25% of them aren't coming back to church. Now I don't know if that's all. That's true, but if 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 even half's that true, we're we're, church is in trouble. Hang on. Millennials, according to the survey, 50% of them are never coming back. They've gotten used to this lay at home, watch TV. They've gotten they've changed their habits. And and here's the truth of it a lot of them go to churches where it was all about entertainment and they were never discipled nobody even knows who they are nobody knows their name how many know we all know you here and i don't care if we run 2000 we're going to know you I, I now i'm not saying i remember your name but i but i I'm going to know you, you know. Say you look familiar. You know? No, no, someone will know you. I mean, no matter what. Now, I don't think we're going to run 2000, but I don't, I don't know that that's the Lord's will for us. But, but they they just figure, you know what? It ain't worth it. It's just, I'm just going because I felt good or I love the music. I can I can listen to the music at home. And you know what? There's a lot of preachers on TV, better than one I got there. <laughs> so why not just stay home? 50% of millennials aren't coming back. God, I hope that's not true. But if that happens, how many churches do you think are going to be closing down? <sighs> how many preachers are going to be selling used cars? They seem to be good at both. I'm not sure why that is. <laughs> we, I, I don't know, but, but I want you to think about this. We have not lost one single family because of COVID. I'm, I'm talking about dying. I'm just talking about leaving, just quitting the church because of COVID. Not, uh, we're not aware. Some haven't been back yet, but we know who they are. We know where they are. And we know why they're not here. We've been in touch. Hello? Hello? We've not lost, as far as I know, all 200 families will be back eventually. Praise God for that. Amen. Amen. So it's not true in all churches. It's certainly not true here. In fact, the Lord has added over 20 new families since COVID started. We're growing. We grew during COVID. We grew living in caves. (laughs) I don't get it. I don't understand it, but. It seems to me someone's in charge. seems to me like the Lord's in charge. He's up to something. Amen. And there's more families coming in every week, and we praise God for what's happening in this place. So we're coming. It's a transition. And, you know, I, mean, you know, I always, almost always preach in series. Since the, since the Sunday after Christmas, we've not been in a series. I don't know if you noticed. We've not been in a series. I, it's just every week the Lord just gave me something, and I just went with it. Right? Same thing this morning. Then this week I began to look back on the sermons and reflect, and the Lord began to speak to me and said, Hey dummy, you've been in a series, you just didn't know it. You know, sometimes God can straighten you out even when you don't even know you're crooked. Amen. <laughs> so I thought, Well, what's the title of this series, Lord, since you know so much? What well, what's the title? And 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 this kind of impressed on me. Something like this, it's like, it's, it's like the post-COVID transition series. And if you look back over those sermons, and you could do it, by the way, go, you could do, go to you, our YouTube channel and pick up all these, all these messages way back. Uh, you can go to our website. Uh, on YouTube, you can watch them. On, and on, on the website, you can hear them. Uh, and if you go back through, you'll see a pattern, and every one of them is fixing something as we're coming out of our caves. God's fixing something. He's fixing us. He's changing us. I've got something else about this low bar thing I need to tell you, and that is some of you can't wait to get back to normal. I have a word for you, and you're not gonna like it. There is no going back to normal. The world has changed. And I mean the world. Every nation has changed. We as the church, if we go back to normal. We will be abnormal. If we go back to normal, we won't be able to reach them because we don't communicate to them. The church is not going to be like it was. And I thank God. I'm okay with that. I'm not saying it's going to be worse, I'm saying it's going to be different. And that's okay. Let it be different. Let it be whatever it needs to be to reach the lost. Let it be whatever it needs to be to reach the grandchildren. Whatever we need, oh, God, let's sing whatever we got to sing. Preach whatever we got to preach. Come on, work together to reach the lost, whatever we got to do, because we're coming out of Lodabar, and I don't know what we're going to look like, but it's going to be amazing. Let's look like Jesus. Give him a praise. Some of you remember the strategy we talked about it before covid hit. How many remember our little expression row the boat? Remember row the boat? Well, we're going to we're going to get back to it. It's time to do some rowing. Come on. Thing is, it's a whole different river. <laughs> But we're 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 gonna roll the boat and it's always against the against the current, but God's going to help us to get through this. We are coming out of Lodabar. All right, preacher, what's Lodabar? All right. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. It's about time I get to my text. Ready? Then the king said, and the king is David. David is now the king. Y'all remember who was king before him? King Saul, right? Uh, and, and he's dead. His son's dead. Almost everybody in the family's dead now. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? By the way, that's your calling, to show people the kindness and the mercy of God. It leads to repentance, right? To whom I may show the kindness of God. And Ziba, oh, I love Ziba. Ziba said to the king, there is still one son of Jonathan. Y'all know who Jonathan is? Saul's son. Saul was king. Jonathan was supposed to succeed him. This this son then would be succeeding Jonathan. Well, Saul and Jonathan are dead. So Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Y'all know who I'm talking about, don't you? Old brother Mephibosheth. Now, I'm always afraid I'm going to mispronounce that and say something I shouldn't say. So it's just Brother Seth. (laughs) I'll mess it up and I don't even have dentures, but you know how that goes. So the king said to him, where is he? Now, Now, realize, you know what kings used to do. If there's any kind of person that's a threat to the throne, they kill him. Right? Just kill him, then the threat's gone. So, Brother Seth uh, is in danger of his life here. He said, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, in, doesn't that sound good to say that again? Ludabar. Ludabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machor, the son of Amiel, from Lodebar. Brought him out of Lodebar. Now, now, here's some points you've got to make. You've got to understand. First of all, he would have been king. you got to understand, he was raised to be king. I want to address some people who understand You're not where you're going to be yet. You were raised to be something amazing in the kingdom of heaven. You were meant to be a king's son, a child of the king, you were meant for greatness. You were meant to be on top of this. You weren't meant to be living in your in your cave, so to speak. And I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm just talking about being isolated and lonely and all the things. You know that. The, by the way, there, there is there is a there is a wounded population that's going to come out in a few weeks or a few months. The price of the price of of this lockdown is greater than the price or the cost of the COVID itself. Suicides have never been higher. Drug abuse has never been higher. Divorce, domestic violence, child abuse, and the whole and all the issues that the children have—not being in school, not being isolated, being raised—you know, like Little House on the prairie they, I mentioned drug abuse. Um, 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 you know, I, I loneliness, depression, isolation, um, all the back stuff, uh, things that they should have taken care of medically that they didn't take care of, and now it's worse. The list goes on and on and on. Church, we need to be ready because there is a wounded population about to come out of the caves. We got to find a way to put the word out that there's still hope. We need to let them know there's still a church that knows how to minister to them. We need to they need to know there's a God that loves them, that can turn this for them, that can change things and bless them and save them. We got to get the word out that God is still on the throne. Oh my God. Quit fussing about all the other stuff. Let's just do what God has called us to do. He would have been king. And some of us are thinking, well, I I should have been here by now. By now, I should, you know, you know, some of you, listen, I said in the first service, I'm beyond my midlife crisis. I've already had it. (laughs) You know, if this is midlife, I'm living to be 130. So that probably ain't going to happen. But we talk about midlife crisis where you get to that point in your life where you you look back and say, man, I thought I'd be further along than now. I thought this or I thought that. And we're just not where we thought we should be or where we wanted to be. This guy should have been king. Now he's living out in the country in some little house. He would have been king. But I want you to understand, God knows where you are. I said, God knows where you are. David didn't know where he was, but God knew where he was. Listen, a lot of people may not know where you are in in your spirit or in your mind or in your emotions, but God knows where you are. God knows what you need. You're not you're not lost in a cave somewhere. God knows where you are. David said, where is he? Jesus says, I know where he is. That servant is a type of the Holy Spirit. He says, I know where he is. Then fetch him for me because he's going to appear before the king. I've got a word for some of you. You crossed that line, and you walked into the king's banquet room. You walked into the presence of the Lord. Kind of bothers me when God does the altar call before I preach. But that just, that just humbles me, right? I don't need you. <laughs> He'll use whoever he wants to. God knows where you are. Here's, here's something else. Listen, Mephibosheth, Brother Seth, is the right person, right? He's the king's son at the wrong place. And some of us, we know who we are, but we're not there yet. We know, who, we know what God wants to do, or maybe we don't know, but we know I'm a child of the king. Take that, devil. I'm a child of the king. Don't know where I'm going or what, but listen, I know I have an inheritance. I know God loves me. Devil, you are a liar. So he's the right person at the wrong place. So what does lo-debar mean? The, the Hebrew, the L-O, every time you see that lo in front of something, that means no. Lo means no. You got that? N-O, or negative, or opposite of. So lo means no, and debar, in the basic word of it, basic meaning of it, is pasture. There's no Pasture even though we pray Psalms 23, right? And he leads me in those green pastures. But sometimes, remember the picture? It looks like a dry desert. But he promised me green pastures. But lately, how many know this year it, doesn't, it hasn't felt like a green pasture? In fact, it's not just a green pasture, but it, it literally means a prepared pasture. It's a place that the shepherd has gone ahead of and made sure that there was enough grass and enough room and everything you need will be in that place. He leadeth me to the still waters and to the green pastures. That's Dabar. Dabar also has another meaning. It's it's the word that the Hebrews use for word, W-O-R-D. So Lodabar also means not just no pastures but no word. Isn't it interesting that the word for pasture and the word for word is the, pretty much the same. We get our word. It feeds us. Man does not live by bread alone. We need the pasture. Whew. Come on sheep, I'm feeding you hay and you're not eating. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear bass, not but, but, but. I always got a few goats. Amen. Wow. (laughs) It's a place of no word. Maybe you're not there today, but I guarantee you if you've been saved 20 minutes, you know what I'm talking about. There are times you don't know where God is. You haven't heard his word. The heavens are like brass and you can't get a prayer through. Come on. Come on. Don't act like you've never been there. We've been there. Where's God? Where's the, I need a word. I need a word now. I need direction now. I need a touch from God now. Where is he? I don't feel like I'm in green pastures. I feel like I'm in a desert. I feel like I'm in a cave. I feel like Elijah. I'm the only one left. Hello? Living in a cave all by himself. That's where we've been. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. I'm just not hearing it. I just feel like I'm out of range. There's a place of no word from the Lord. But I've got a word for you. Pack your bags. Pack your bags. You've been called to move. God sent his servant, old Ziba, that's the Holy Ghost. He sent the Holy Ghost knocking on your front door. Pack your bags. It's time to move. You're coming out of Lodabar. There's a transition going on. There's a turning coming on. There's something happening in the spirit realm. I don't know if you can feel it or not, but I feel it, amen. We may be kind of still isolated in a lot of ways, but I feel it. I know you're feeling it in your little caves. We're feeling a move of God's spirit, amen. Even if we're not all together like we want to be, God is sending this vibration through the body of Christ, and he's saying, pack your bags. We're about to move on. That pillar of fire in the wilderness has begun to move. It's time to strike the tents. Pack your bags and follow the pillar. Glory to God. How many feel called to move? Called to move, but you know you can't always you can't always get out by yourself. How many know we we need each other, and we need the Holy Ghost obviously to get us to where we need to go. Second uh, Samuel chapter nine. Let's continue the story here a little bit. We can jump ahead now. When brother brother Sheph, uh, I still could mispronounce that. <laughs> the son of Jonathan. The son of Saul had come to David. He fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, "Mephibosheth," and he answered, "Here is your servant." Mm-hmm. So David said unto him, "Do not fear, for I will surely." Remember, he could have killed him, and maybe that's why he thought he was being called. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness. <laughs> oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. How many, how many of us deserve judgment? Wow. Oh. And we come before the throne fearful. God, I know what I did. And God says, No, I didn't call you here to beat you up. I called you here to tell you I love you and I forgive you. And I'm giving you a place at my table. Oh, glory to God. God. I, will show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, for Jesus, your brother's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table. Say my table. You shall eat bread at my table. Not a guest one time, continually in my presence. Wow. But watch, watch what he says. Watch what he says. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant? Who am I? I don't know about you, but you ever come before God and just say, Why me? Really? Really? Pastor said I could do this? I don't say it. I don't know about this. God, you're calling me to what? Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog? Now I don't know if you know the story of Mephibosheth. Do you know the story? He when he was like five years old, Saul's grandson, Saul and Jonathan are in the war, and they die, and his nurse in fear for their lives runs, and she's holding, she's carrying this five-year-old, and she drops him. And when she dropped, and when she dropped him, both of his ankles, ankle bones. Permanently broke. Never walked again. Never walked again. I, I want to talk to somebody. Pastor, I, I've been I've been dropped. I've been hurt. I've been disappointed. I've been broken. I've been stabbed in the back. I've been lied about. Oh, I feel God. I've, I've failed. I've messed up. Somebody dropped him, and he was never the same. I don't know how many times I've ministered to people with just one thing, one thing, one bad thing, and they're never the same again. Oh, maybe. Am I talking to anybody? Never the same again. They had to carry him. Oh, I feel it. They had to carry him into the king's presence. Sometimes altar service, I feel like, I, feel like I, I can almost go out there and just pick you up and carry you to the altar because you're so broke. I've known people so broken and so hurt, they can't even come to the altar. They don't feel worthy. I'm just a dead dog. I don't care what that preacher says. There's no hope for me. I'll never get through this. Somebody carried him. And put him before the king. Ah, I've got a ministry for some of you. You need to learn how to start carrying some folk to the altar. Don't just stand around and say, well, they know where the church is. They know what time it is, and they can get here if they really wanted to. No, no, you you need to go pick them up and carry them. Yeah. Anybody feeling it? But, but it wasn't just his ankles. His thinking was broken. There he was in the presence of the king, and he still felt like a dead dog. Sometimes God's moving in the service, doing great things, and we still feel like a dead dog. We're in the midst of a glorious move of God and still living in Lodabar. I'm just a dead dog. His stinking thinking needed healing. And there might be a lot of things God can do for you, but really the most important thing is to renew your mind so you can keep it and get it on Jesus. Because you can have a lot of problems and still love the Lord. You can have a lot of issues and still go to heaven. There can be a lot wrong with you and still do what God wants you to do because he loves you and his mercy endures forever. Oh, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name. His mind was as crippled as his ankles. Verse 9. Just follow me, I know I'm. I, I don't even know where I am. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, remember uh, a servant in Scripture is often, often representative of the Holy Ghost. I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all of his house. He, inher- he already inherited everything, even though he was crippled. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. Listen, God will do what you can't do for yourself. Oh, glory. You shall bring in the harvest. God has a harvest ready to bring into your life, into your home, and you may not have to do anything but lay on the couch and enjoy it. Now, God doesn't bless laziness. Don't go there. I'm talking about you can't walk. <laughs> that your master son may have food to eat, but Mephibosheth, your master son, shall eat bread at my table always. Oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering how the, all this is going to get done, Ziba had 15 sons a moment of silence for Zeba's wife. I was about to say she died young, but that's not possible. <laughs> Fifteen sons and maybe a few daughters and 20 servants. Oh, Ziba had an army. I don't know how Zeba had time to do anything else. 15 sons, 20 servants. How many of you know God has enough to get you to where you need to be? God has all the blessings of heaven and all the angels. He can call thousands of angels to your side, He can get the job done. I said, he can get the job done. Your harvest destiny is being brought to you. God is going to do it. You just need to find your place at the table. And I want you to get this picture because he was all dressed up in royal gowns. Amen. He looked just like David's sons. They were all at the table together, and old brother Seth just sat there at the table. He ate the same food the king's sons ate. He looked just as good or even better than the king's sons. Amen. He talked with the best of them. Everything. Was, now, listen, I want you to catch this. God didn't heal his ankles, but he took a load off his feet. Listen, God may not always heal every issue. God may not always deal with everything and take everything. You may not have smooth sailing your whole life, but his grace is sufficient. And he said, I don't care if your ankles are broken. You have a seat at my table. And as long as you're seated at the table, you look just like the other king's kids. You see... God covered his weakness. God may not heal your weakness, but he'll cover your weakness. So you can sit at the king's table with the king's kids. Come on, worship team. In other words, he'll take a load off your feet, he'll take pressure. Listen, he'll take pressure. Off your feet. He'll get you to the place where you can do what you did not think possible. My past, my this, my that. God said, forget that. Forget that. I have a way to get you to the table. I have a way to cover your infirmities. My mercy, my goodness is forever. And I love you. Would you stand to your feet? And let's get ready to come to the table. I feel his presence. Thank you, Jesus. I'm seated at the table. As long as I'm at the table... You can't. You, my faults don't mean anything. My weaknesses don't mean anything. My past doesn't amount to anything. Because I'm seated at the table and I'm covered. Nobody saw his broken ankles. He'll and the Spirit of the Lord made up for that. Get your communion.